This is Penned In, the podcast for all things bookish. My name is Anna Kate Meadler, and I'm here to help you find your next read. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of Penned In. This week, I interviewed romance science fiction author Gail R. Delaney about writing, life, and more. What is your writing process for your novels? I am 97% pantser. <laughs> so I begin a book with the general concept of the high points, right? I know where it's going to start. I know a couple main events and I know my goal for the end. But how I get from point to point is a complete journey for me. And I just go along with what's happening <laughs> and write the response. I, I say that I am writing an incident report. <laughs> But I do that because I feel like if I am surprised by something in the story or if I'm happy about something in the story or if I respond emotionally to something that I've written, then hopefully the reader will as well. And so I feel more connected that way. So I just jump in and start going. So you generally write romance. Why did you choose to go into the romance genre specifically? Because that was my reading preference. I just... Once I started reading as an older teen, that tended to be what I was drawn to. And when I decided that I was going to write for the intent of being published, it was just the genre that I was very familiar with. Of course, it was very different in the early 90s than it is now, but that was just where I was drawn. And I believe that writing should be a joy. And so I don't write to market or anything like that. I, I write what I feel. And so I had to write romance because that's where I was drawn. What were some of your favorite, all-time favorite romance novels growing up? Katherine Anderson. Oh my Lord, my brain just went completely blank on the title. Um, Ever After. That is one book that just pops into my head every time somebody says, you know, a book that inspired you or that you loved. Katherine Anderson, Ever After. It was... A, it's a contemporary romance, kind of a small town. The sheriff gets a new neighbor and he finds out that she's actually a woman who's trying to escape domestic violence and such. So it's just a very, it was a very, I just remember some of the really sweet moments in it because she has a child and he kind of really connects with this little girl and, and things like that. So that, that's one that always, always quickly comes to mind for me. What are your, some of your all-time favorite romance tropes? I love friends to lovers. I know that most people, it seems on book talk, like the enemies to lovers, but I don't. I like friends to lovers. I like that moment when they go, you know what? This is more. I like age gaps and more specifically age gaps where the woman is older because that's what I came from. I'll put it that way. My mom was 18 years older than my dad. 
when they met and he was 21 and she was 39 and she was a widow and it just I say that's really why I write romance because that's the story that I grew up on you know they they got married within 19 days of meeting each other they you know it was just a a lot of great things about their story and so that the age gap I always like but I always like the flip of it I like the woman older because it's that's a less seen trope you know twist on the trope but that's what I like if you don't mind me asking how did they meet it's a bigger twist he was one of my brother's best friends <laughs> so the 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 romance plots are just really intense with them so my mom had four sons from her first marriage and my next oldest brother was about 19 and he came home I my mom had been a widow for about two years and he came home and said that he had this friend who was turning 21 and he hadn't been home from the military for very long he was in the army and he had been discharged he was in vietnam and she said you know my brother said he's turning 21 and he really doesn't have any family in the area do you mind can can you bake him a cake and he'll come over and she said sure you know because he was friend of one of her kids you know whatever so he came over for cake and 19 days later they got married <laughs> so it was good cake it's very good cake <laughs> Do you like to do any baking at all like your mother did or no? I do. I love baking, especially around the holidays like this. When I worked full time, you know, in offices and such, I was always baking stuff and bringing stuff in and especially at Christmas and things like that. But because I don't work in an office anymore, every year at Christmas time like this, I bake for the whole neighborhood and I give like little goodie bags to everybody and it's gotten to the point now that when I see neighbors just before Christmas they're like we're going to get a bag right we're going to get a goodie bag right so no I do I definitely love I love cooking and baking mostly baking I mean I'll cook but I really love baking yeah do you have any other hobbies outside of baking and obviously your career is writing right I enjoy crocheting I tend to do it these days as gifts so mostly baby blankets or or wedding gifts that kind of thing because I really only have one design that I do <laughs> it's the chevron it's like the the zigzag afghan design but I like to mix it up with different colors and my husband and I are big Disney fans so we tend to spend a lot of time at Disney in some capacity. We went to Disney Springs yesterday and did last minute Christmas shopping. We're annual pass holders because we live in Florida. So every couple of weeks we're like, let's go to Disney and you know go somewhere. So yeah. What are some of your top Disney movies? Oh my goodness. Beauty and the Beast, the animated version. I like that one. Does Marvel count now that Disney owns them? I feel like it does. Disney owns almost everything. So might as well count. Any, any of the movies with Loki, Tom Hiddleston, Loki. Yeah, I'll watch those again and again. He is hilarious, so I totally get that. Yeah. So you start off in romance. How do you go from romance to like romance science fiction? Because I grew up a sci-fi geek. When I was probably like kindergarten age or so was when Star Trek, the original series, had gone into syndication. So every day at four o'clock, 
there was this episode of Star Trek and I was in front of the TV and I was watching it. Mr. Spock was my all-time favorite. Then Star Wars came out when I was young and I grew up on that. I never understood the conflict between, you know, you have to be Star Trek or Star Wars. I was like, no, just give me science fiction. And so I grew up on all of that. And I've been talking actually a lot lately with other sci-fi writers and specifically women who write science fiction that we all kind of experience the same thing is that we were told girls don't belong in science fiction. Girls aren't supposed to like science fiction. And certainly girls couldn't write science fiction and there's no romance in science fiction. And I heard that for a long time until I finally went, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> so, and it's so wrong as, as an adult, I know it is so wrong because science fiction was invented by a woman and Star Trek would not exist without Lucille Ball. She was the one that pioneered it. So stop telling women we can't be in it. I mean, it's here because of us, as far as I can see. So on your website, you mentioned that you started writing fan fiction for a show called Stargate SG-1. How did mm-hmm. you how did you specifically get into that show? And why did you write fan fiction specifically for that fandom? Well, I got into the show when it's science fiction. So I love science fiction. But I actually started watching it because Richard Dean Anderson was the star. And I grew up with a huge crush on MacGyver. So I started watching it for that reason. And... I started doing fan fiction for it because I think it was about four seasons in, they started implying a slight romance storyline in it between the character that Richard Dean Anderson played, Jack O'Neill, and his second in command, because it's a military show. So it was the woman that was his second in command, and they stayed true to military rules and regulations on the show in that they there could never be an actual romance between them while they were in that position but you know fan fiction you can you can do whatever you want so I did a series of stories that I call it kind of behind the scenes like what I thought was going on because when they wrapped up the show they still didn't put a real firm nail in it but they really let the fans believe that the two of them end up together as you know forever so I just played along with that when I wrote my fan fiction has writing fan fiction taught you any anything that you took when you started writing your published works well I I was writing for publication prior to writing fan fiction but it was really writing that Stargate fan fiction that pushed me into writing sci-fi rom. So definitely in that way, it it highly influenced my writing. I feel like I learned from that show and writing the fan fiction, how to do a slow burn, which is something that I really like in, in romance. But yeah, I think that I also used fan fiction to keep my creativity going when I didn't necessarily have an original plot that I wanted to work on. And when I was between books or I just didn't have anything that was that was clicking well in my mind, I just went and I wrote some fan fiction. So it was a creative outlet for me. And I could work things out in that that I could then roll over into books. What was the most challenging aspect of the writing process for you? Finishing the book. (laughs) 
the middle, the middle of books is always the hardest part for me because it's sometimes it's a lag, but sometimes it, you just have to get through it to get to the next phase of it. So for me, that's, that's always the, I'm stuck in the middle of a book right now that I just have to, I know I have to push through it. And once I do that, it rolls quickly again. I roll quickly to that point and quickly after it, it's, it's the challenge is the middle part there. This is going to be a little bit of an out-of-pocket question, but sure. if you could take the place of any of your characters and live out their storyline, who would it be and why? Hmm. I have a single title contemporary romance called Something Better. And when I was writing it, the joke was I wasn't writing it. <laughs> I was telling my best friend, I'm not writing this book because there's a lot of things in it that I said that I would never put in a romance novel and I did but the heroine of that book her name is Andrea Parker and she's actually a romance novelist and so I kind of feel like I've already put myself into that storyline a little bit but I think it would be that story because my hero in it David is just so awesome he's just so sweet and he's you know he I have the age gap in it so she's older than him, but he's also like an A-list actor. That's the thing in this book is that he's this big time famous actor guy, but he's a total fanboy for her when he meets her because he's he's starring in the film adaptation of her books and he's the star of it. And he just is, he's a fanboy, even more than anybody would fan you know be crazy over him simp on him but him to her he's just like you're so cool tell me about writing a book you know <laughs> so that one I think that would definitely be and nobody's fighting for their life like they are in my sci-fi series so there's that <laughs> how do you generally come up with your characters and their personalities they introduce themselves I, it's really hard for me to I don't feel like I structure any of my characters, I feel like they just are who they are. And I have to figure that out as I'm writing, which is, I think is probably part of the pantser in me, kind of have an idea of who would be the best type of character to tell the story that I wanna tell. But beyond that, it's them forming themselves in the writing as I do that. I do sometimes, especially when starting a book, I may have a person or an actor or an actress that inspires that character. And from them, I may pull mannerisms or things like that. But then it becomes a point that that solidifies enough that the character just kind of takes over and they become their own unique person after that. So you mentioned you're currently writing a romantic suspense. Is there anything you can talk about from that work in progress that you can mention on the podcast? Sure. I'm actually working on the third book in the series. So it's going to wrap up the series. And it, the series is called The Baker Street Legacy. And I, the premise of it is that in my world, Sherlock Holmes was a real man. And my hero is his great grandson. So his name is Grayson Holmes. And he is a... Sorry, my dog is being a fool. Uh, he, he's an MI6 officer in Britain. And he has a lot of the characteristics of Sherlock Holmes in that he can 
see the gossamer threads that tie things together to solve mysteries and situations and things. And the beginning of the series is he's in Boston, actually. So the first book is set in Boston, Massachusetts, and that's where he meets the heroine. And she is just a normal lady. She's not involved in, in espionage or, or intrigue or anything like that. She's a doctorate student and they meet under certain circumstances. So the series has this underlying suspense storyline, but it's also this large arc for the two of them to, and it's a very slow burn, but by the third book, things are very hot. <laughs> we'll put it that way. So that's what I'm working on now. So it's it's the conclusion of their story to an extent, but it's also a conclusion of this big story arc. I do a lot of tie-ins from the Conan Doyle stories to tie them into the real world and what's going on there. So that's a challenge, but I think Grayson is probably one of my favorite characters that I've ever written. So he's a gentleman. He's But the problem is he's so much more intelligent than I am. <laughs> So I feel like I have to really hurt my brain to be in his mindset because he is just, you know, his, his mind is functioning on a level that mine is not. How do you go about writing characters that have a higher intelligence level than you do? Because I know that's like a huge part of like yeah. writing in general. I research enough to make it sound like the character knows what they're talking about and I don't explain it. It, the, my mindset on a lot of things, because this works in the science fiction realm too, because so many people in that are, you know, doctors and scientists and aliens and, and all of that. When I'm writing in their point of view, they're not thinking about all the little details. They're just doing what they do, right? And, and they may explain something to somebody, but they're not going to go into deep explanation because if they're explaining it to somebody, that person probably doesn't know everything that they know about the thing. So I, I research enough so that I can make it read well, so that I can make it read so that it's clear the character knows what they're doing. Uh, but I don't have to go into great detail. And I tap into people that I think can help me with those things. Uh, my daughter is a biologist. So oftentimes when it's involving science in some way, I'll hit her up and I'll be like, would this work? Or what about that? What do you think of this? So I have different people in my life who have different expertise. And I just tap in enough to make it read well without explaining. I'm not going to go into kinetic energy and <laughs> wormholes and things. It's just kind of, they know what they're doing. We're just going to go with that. Why did you choose to go the indie small press publishing route as opposed to traditional? Because I've done traditional. I've gone from one end to the other. So when I first started publication being published, I was with a small press, but it was a traditional publishing house setup. And I was with a couple different publishers that way. And then I actually owned my own publishing house for 10 years. And I learned a lot how to do indie that way, because really when you're a small press, you're still kind of indie, right? You're doing everything for everyone. So about after about 10 years of having it, my business partner and I decided to close it simply because the publishing world was shifting so much towards indie that it just, most authors were either doing it themselves or they were trying to get into New York. So smaller presses weren't quite as lucrative and we weren't where we wanted to be. So we had let it go. So after that, 
I did not want to give my books to anybody else to have anybody else do it. So at that point, I felt like I knew enough and I had enough experience and I knew what I needed to do that I went indie. And that was 2018. Now, obviously, doing indie publishing is a lot of time commitment. How do you balance your writing career and also just life in general? Well, it helps that I have grown children. <laughs> I don't have uh, young ones that I need to uh, worry about getting them to school or, you know, anything like that. My youngest is 24, almost 25. My oldest is 30 and she's got her own family. So I don't have to balance that. About a year and a half ago, we made the decision as a family that I was going to quit a full-time, you know, punch the clock kind of job and go directly into freelance. So I do freelance editing for people. Plus I do my own writing and I do freelance content writing. So that brings in money, but it's very flexible. So I just basically uh, work my schedule around what I need to do for uh, being an indie author. What would be your advice for aspiring authors? It sounds odd to say this to an aspiring author, but it's something that I say to keep in mind through your entire writing process is never assume you know enough. Never assume that you don't need to learn anything else about your writing, never assume that there's not ways to improve your writing. So unfortunately, I have seen new authors that, you know, they finish their book and they think it's perfect the way it is and I don't want to change anything. There's always room for improvement as in your writing and in yourself as an author. So there's always ways to learn. I mean, I even do, I look at my early books and I'm like, ooh, 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 I could have done that better uh, because I have learned and because I accept that I learn as I go. So that is my biggest advice is you don't have to take absolute every piece of, of advice that somebody gives you. You should try to make sure that it works for you, but always be open to learning more. Well, those are all my questions. So first off, I want to thank you for coming on here. I really do appreciate it. Oh, yeah, this is great. I love doing these. Want to learn more? You can find her website linked in the description below, along with ways to purchase her romance science fiction series, Future Possible. And that's all for this week. As always, thank you guys so much for listening in, and make sure to subscribe on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify.